Hey, Josh. Hey, Nate. How are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. Good. Been uh, interviewing lots of people. Uh, uh, fun so times. I, yeah, actually just got off one. Um, it's always a challenge, uh, you know, having all these conversations, but it definitely makes it easier trying to be transparent with everyone as much as possible. But like, because hmm. you, you get to the end and you're like, okay, what next? Mm-hmm. Or uh, you also, you know, if someone's not a fit, you don't want to just tell them, yeah, it's great. And seem like, yeah, I just talked to you for an hour. And yeah, I think that we're not going to talk anymore. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> you know, it's like, ha- you got to. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, we'll be in touch or. Yeah, that's tough. Um, you got to come up with like some pre-canned line or way out, I think. And I think like, <laughs> I think people do appreciate to know, like, I don't have much hope on this one or like, you know, this is going really well. That way you're not leading them along, I guess. Yeah. I mean, this one was interesting cause I've been doing it for a, a more, a much more senior role. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and the reality is like, I want to talk to a lot more people with this than the normal. And I think we've talked about this a little mm-hmm. before. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so the line <laughs> with, with everyone, but it is, true has been with all of these calls has essentially just been like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm early in the process. I'm going to talk to all these people. And, um, you know, I always keep in touch and let people know how this is going to go. So, um, Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, if it wasn't a great one, I might rest on it for a few days or a day or two and just say, Hey, I'm just, I decided to move on with some other candidates and everyone's been super gracious because I've, feel like if you're going to spend enough time to talk to someone, you should at least not yeah. uh, have the respect of their time to just even have some follow-up, have some thank you, and, and have some closure, mm-hmm. so to speak. Sure. But, yeah, yeah. So you got any uh, any good or candidates that are looking good for you? Or? Yeah, yeah. We have a few. We have a few good ones. It, it was I, I thought I had just two solid ones, and then this week had uh, another... Uh, three pop in the bucket in terms of uh, uh, one through a referral and two just also kind of combing through the the applicants that came in this week too. So so Sweet. started the week with two potential and ended the week with uh, five potential. And those other two that were more forward are, are further along, so they're further in the progress. But I've also let all the new people know that as well. So Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, one so of the topics. Week, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go I was, ahead. Go, can, I was gonna can... say I, I let you go first this time with your <laughs> okay. uh, what's going on. Um, sure. The, this week I've been doing lots of uh, had a few new ideas, which has been kind of fun. Um, I kind of pitched on Twitter that um, uh, I had like an image tracking thing where you could like put in your video and it would like blur out a section of the video and it would track that that text that you had selected through the frames and whatnot so i made like a little landing page for that which was kind of fun had a little bit of engagement on that Um, so wait wait i have a question about that so how does that work again is it like it's is it the recording or just like what at what stage in a video production would this be in is my question so it's like it's like you do a screen capture of Mm -hmm. your application or whatever and you have something in your application that you don't want the world to see when you actually sure. publish this this capture. 
So yeah. it's like in, in post post recording. And mm-hmm. what you do is you select, you just like drag like a little marquee over the area that you want to blur out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you can do multiple little uh, sections, which is kind of the, the special thing about the way that I do it as opposed to just a regular video editor. And then uh, it tracks it forward through the video. So if that text stays on the screen, it will continue to blur it even if you scroll or move around and that sort of thing. So it'll it'll lock down the position on the screen for it, like in in terms of like if you're just looking at the screen real estate and xing and ying it, it's like this zone will always be blurred, or it actually like locks to that image recognition. The, yeah, yeah, it locks to the image. I had uh, I had a day last week where I was like, oh, I wish I had this, and so I took a day of, I think it was more uh, a mental fun day than anything else at the end of it, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, it was uh, image recognition, so it'll track it uh, based on the image that it recognizes as you move the text around. Okay. And so when when you set it, like if I was to set this, it would just go through and do it for the whole video, and like I don't have to do it while it's doing it. Like it just does it, and it's like I could take the video, say this zone on this screenshot that's early, and then it does it for the, you know, the video lasts another five minutes. It just essentially does it the rest of the video yeah exactly it tracks it forward but like if you scroll off the if it scrolls off the screen it will lose it so like you know if you have your username blurred out and then you scroll down to the bottom of the page your username is gone then when you scroll back up to the top you got to reselect it to say oh yeah i want this blurred again okay okay that's cool yeah i could see that being useful i've always wanted to do a training of my asana and how i uh Mm. operate in my my tasks in asana but i'm also worried that there's just there's there's personal information in there you know or there's like you know and it might be something titled like you know tell nate to get haircut and it's like i don't want (laughs) Nate to see that you know (laughs) so i want that section blurred but i want to talk about how i how i work through the asana board and you know kind of but not worry about you know, yeah. that being posted yeah. on the internet and everyone's like, Josh, why are you, why are you worrying about Nate's haircut? <laughs> well, that's exactly why I got it. Cause I was, or why I built it is I had a, um, a client uh, dashboard that I wanted to share with some other people. And, um, I didn't want the client's information to show, um, especially their, their numbers. Right. It was a, like a, a business dashboard. And, right. uh, so I wanted a way to blur it out. I ended up using another solution, but the blurring did work. Cool, cool. Speaking of dashboards, wasn't that your other topic today? Yeah, uh, dashboards. Um, So I've been doing some client work with dashboards, and I've just been blown away by how useful some of it is. Um, I've been able to like really change around some business processes in this company that I've been working with, and it's been so beneficial to them and. Um, during that process, I was kind of looking around at like what, what you can get off the shelf for dashboarding. And, um, like I was looking at like data box and, um, gecko board and a few of those ones. And like they, that stuff looks really cool to me. I think it's really neat. And so I was trying to figure out if there's a way to, you know, have some sort of spinoff, some sort of other dashboarding solution that, um, you know, I could sell to people. Um, and so I kind of threw it out there and there's kind of a mixed, mixed response to it. I don't know if, it, what was your first response when you heard that? Uh, yeah, I, my first response is, 
was more of like, it's just one of these things that seems simple, but yet like, I, I, I would worry about being that person in the middle. Like there's enough, there's enough, uh, like, you know, you're working with all these integrations and APIs and you're essentially the visual layer, which I think is a great business model in general, like being a visual UX layer for people, for things. Mm-hmm. But I also know, you know, you talk to any, uh, developer, creator, marketer, and there's probably an average of maybe like, I don't know, 40, 50% cross, uh, like cross sectioning or overlap of using the same services. Mm. Uh, but no one's going to be happy unless a hundred percent is covered. So then you're just going to keep spiraling and spiraling. All of a sudden you're supporting a hundred different APIs to try to get the coverage of your target market. And then, oh, those APIs start to slow down or you get rate limited or you have to worry about like managing all this additional data infrastructure because essentially if you aren't providing accuracy of the things, you've failed. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And, and you don't have full control over that. Like you have to manage those expectations. And, and so in my mind, it is like good, but it's also not... St- super sticky it's also easy come easy go like someone could set up a dashboard mm. and be like oh this is great and they forget to log in and they realize they never use it and it's like oh i canceled and i was like maintaining all that data all these things and mm-hmm. so i don't know the investment in time investment and effort investment to me is a little like lopsided um for that mm. so um i know obviously like a. You know, I know that some of the data box people and and seen some of these and been around these long enough that just like once they do get it up and running, though, like once they have like 200 integrations and once they have all those things and that easy come, (laughs) there's enough of those easy comes that want to set this up and that can use it. And it can be great, but getting there and looking at the amount of effort they have to put in to get there, like. I think it's 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 it'd be challenging as an indie business um, unless you're really gonna just be very ruthless about what you're doing. But then it may be too small of a market and hard. That same level of effort to market and get in front of the eyes that a, to attract more people is the same one you would have to for a small indie one. But uh, the the returns may not be as good. So that's what I mean by like lopsided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least in my mind. Yeah, I wonder if the um, like I I was kind of thinking that that too. Like to if you just did like a general business dashboard, I think you're right. There's like a million different things you'd have to integrate with for that to work. But um, I wonder if you did something something that was more niche that that would work a little better because what you could go for is like you find a group of people that use like maybe I don't know five to ten services. Um, like the majority use five to 10 different services for their data and you build dashboards that are tailored to that niche. So it's just like, we are the dashboards for email marketers. We are the dashboards for uh, content creators or whatever it is. And um, because it's so niche, you get the, the easy come side of it isn't so bad like that you get, because, because they're, they're already tailored to them. There's little setup and you can appeal to them. And then the uh, the data side, 
yeah, you still have to store that data, but you do have less integrations because they're a niche niche group. I don't know. What do you think of that? Uh, I guess it depends on the niche, right? Like uh, how valuable is it to them? Then I'd go like, I hope you're not getting a niche that is like with those 10 tools is that is aggregating 10 of them how much value is that really to someone you know mm-hmm. is it and I, and I think a good litmus test for a lot of these is like okay well if if this is a need if this is a core driving need like what are they doing instead right like so mm-hmm. oh i'm you know i'm already doing this with 50 spreadsheets and it takes me 10 hours oh okay kind of like your product sonar it's like mm-hmm. i could I could do that for, I could save you those 10 hours, you know, just yeah. put your API keys in here. And then I think it has value, but if they're not doing that thing already, so that's where I would look for the group that whatever that niche might be. And what are those 10? Uh, yeah, and if you could find it, that that very well is a very tight alignment with that niche, then, then, and they're willing to pay for it, then that, mm-hmm. that has good signal to me. Yeah. And so I think like, I've found some places that um, that the usefulness and the already doing it side of thing are there. Um, but I think the, the part that I keep running up against is like getting people to pay for it. Because I think it's in some ways, it's an aspirational thing to have a dashboard like that. Like pe- a lot of people don't actually use it properly and won't come back to it. And so you almost have to make it like, like I was talking to someone, I was like, this is almost like coffee money kind of thing. Like, you know, if you want to, you're going to spend $5 a month or whatever it is. Um, and maybe you do something like if they make under a certain amount that they, they get it free or, you know, that, that sort of thing. And I think that um, that's where it gets tricky. Like the, the monet, monetization side of it. I feel like you just need a mass market to make it work. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, like the, if you look at the businesses like Databox and I believe Gecko Board does this too, but they give a lot away for free. Like, and it's not cheap to run all that infrastructure to like manage all of that stuff. And again, to be, so they have a, I know, but I know at least Databox just has a pretty generous like freemium model. Um, so you get a lot, like you get a lot of these dashboards and these other things. I think the other piece of it too is, if you can niche it, it's great. But I think one of the challenges they have is they actually have to, oftentimes people don't even set them up correctly. Or if you're using a template, it may be like, well, I don't care that much about that data. And that's where you get into that percentage of crossover type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I do think it could be interesting. Again, the right, the right niche for it um, could be, could be really interesting. There was that other service, uh, What's his name? Um, you know, Brian Castle that does the zip message yeah. and that stuff. Yeah, yeah. He had one, and this is what I actually messaged him about it when you were talking about this a couple of days ago, which was like he had this other one called Sunrise KPI. And I think it was something more along the lines that you were thinking, where it was like, and it was just, it wasn't as much like, a, you know, tracking the trends, but it was more about high level numbers and KPI things. And it would be this. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go in, it's like, here's how much money I made today. Here's how many X I did today. And it was rudimentary, but good enough for the KPIs. And I think instead of it being more of like analyzing the data and trends, 
I think it did that for you, but it was more like, here are the big numbers. Like, here's your weekly number. Here's your daily mm-hmm. number. And it's gone up and it's gone down. Or it's this trend line. And maybe you could set some alerts around it. I don't remember because he, he sold it. And I looked up the name. The DNS doesn't resolve anymore. And I think they renamed <laughs> it. So, mm-hmm. um, But I did message him about that because I was like, oh, maybe it's like that. Because that's not quite like Databox. But mm-hmm. it, and it's not really, it, it is still like a dashboard, but it was more of a, prescriptive dashboard a very specific or only only these five tools type of thing so Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's the only way to start it as a solo person like uh, you just couldn't do it any other way i think yeah 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 so i mean i think it's not bad i think it just has a a limiting factor like if you you're probably going to try to find the right people um, but then again those right people might not be willing to pay for that type Mm -hmm. of thing um Another service that made me think of that is like another layer to kind of, or another way to solve this existing problem. Mm. Um, this seems to be the name drop of of a uh, of other apps and stuff episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but another uh, another person I know, also a Canadian, um, mm. has this. Uh, he built. They built this um, plugin for Sheets. I don't know if I told you. Have I told you about this yet? I don't think so. Okay, it's called Sync With. Okay. And it's a what you essentially do is it's like a a Google Sheets add-on, or it's in their marketplace and stuff. And essentially, what it does is it allows you to essentially hook up uh, almost any REST API, and they have all these templates for different ones to pull the data into your sheets. And then also oh. do like charts and stuff like that. So, you know, you could probably even use this to prototype your <laughs> your little thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, with sheets, you could do. You can also say, take this data and give me a refresh, or give me charts, and you can set recurring intervals, and it stores it and whatnot. But um, it's pretty neat the way they have it, and it, and I think once someone does use an API. It tries to have more intel and information on it, but you could add one if it's not in their database. But at this point, mm-hmm. they've they have a pretty extensive database of different ones in there. Uh, they're getting people like you know getting information for finance, you know, for mm-hmm. uh, pulling financial information, pulling Bitcoin and crypto prices, or but sure, people yeah. doing Google Analytics data or whatever other things that you essentially are getting API data from. So. That's interesting because that's almost like the like there's a Zapier integration for that sort of thing, right? Where you do the push, like if you say I have my um, if I have my Google Analytics data, I can do a Zap that will put it into a Google spreadsheet for me and like link it up. Um, that's that's kind of neat. Hmm. Yeah, and this one just taps in, so you're making so you can make the broader like get calls. Like I don't think you can do that in Zapier. Most of those are based off of events. So an event happens, yeah. it does. You get a webhook. It does X, you put Mm -hmm. it through some of your own logic and then spit it out into a Google sheet and your MailChimp, you know? Yeah. 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 And and in terms of prototyping, I've actually been prototyping in Google data studio, just like make a CSV of all my data, throw it in there, render it. Right. Um, That seems to work pretty good so far. That's cool. 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 And I think you had something you wanted to ask, you wanted to talk about today too. Oh yeah. So since you are my resident scraping expert, um, plus we're talking about data, you know, maybe this is a good, uh, data episode. 
one of the things I wanted to ask about was uh, scraping reviews. And I know you talk about, you know, I know scraping Google results is very challenging from a, Mm -hmm. like, they basically don't want you to scrape it. So at the same time, they're putting, you're always fighting, fighting with the web host provider, so to speak, versus trying to get some of this data through scrapers uh, at scale. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about that in the past, and I know you know a fair amount of it. So the central use case is like, from two sides. One from I'm thinking about, it'd be interesting if a, for referral rock and understanding how well a customer's, uh, how good their brand is, how good their product is and what, what their customers are already saying. So there's the Mm -hmm. best way to get at that is reviews, right? So whether it's like Captera or a G2 for B2B, maybe if it's a B2C product or e-commerce product, it's like, you know, going to Amazon and and scripting mm-hmm. just what do comments say, and so that was kind of the first step. Is like, could that be interesting to pull in some of that, get some general sentiment uh, mm-hmm. ratings, reviews, some just things people would do manually, or maybe it's research. You know, someone would do to understand a prospect, mm-hmm. or also even for us, say, oh, hey, it looks like your customers like this. Maybe this customer might like swag as a referral reward. Who knows? Like. I don't know. I, right. It was just a noodling thought about scraping reviews. So hmm. that's interesting because, like, I think you could take that a lot of different ways, right? Like, if you you could figure out who reviews your who reviews your product and where do those people hang out, and then use that to determine what what incentives you might want to give them. But if it's also just like a value add of like what's the public sentiment, I think there are programs out there that are like like software services that are specifically for that, right? Um, I think we talked about a few of them way on some early episodes. I'd have to dig them back up. Um, but basically what they're doing is they're, as far as I can tell, they're just scraping the, um, the reviews from these review sites and doing exactly what you're talking about. So it's definitely doable. Um, in terms of like the actual scraping of it, um, I don't know. I've looked at, I looked at a few review sites and they didn't seem to have any any protection for that, so it would be pretty straightforward to do. Um, I would check with Amazon, though. I imagine Amazon is probably going to have some blockages um, where they're going to try and prevent you from doing that. And if that's the case, they would probably be pretty good at it. So I would be, uh, <laughs> I would maybe put that lower on the list if they've got any protection there. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I think they have other, you know, as you as you go into, you've been doing research on like you know, with product sonar, with prices and things like that, obviously, once you're on Amazon, I'm sure what their prices are for different things at any given time in any different given region is Mm. super valuable competitive information that they probably don't really want people to have. Yeah, probably not. But you never know, you gotta gotta check it out, right? And see, could be that they don't care. Who knows? That is interesting that you're thinking of adding that to your business. Um, Have you kind of has this been like a requested kind of thing or like you just you just think it's kind of neat yeah it was total fleeting thought so there's probably nothing really (laughs) there but it it was just it it was just uh i think it was either this morning this morning's mind wandering of like Mm -hmm. uh i mean a lot of people look to reviews i think as a as a good source of, of of easy to get uh like i guess both 
both quantitative and qualitative type of data, right? So mm-hmm. like copywriters use that all the time, I think too, right? So you, and we've talked about that on the pa- in the past, I believe, like when someone's trying to write copy or you're researching competitors and you kind of want to get an idea, maybe there's a, maybe there's a weak point in their armor of this seemingly very good company. And, oh, they're, they're, everyone keeps saying that they wish they'd handle this use case better. So maybe mm-hmm. that's an opportunity for a different SaaS business to have that. Or when you are doing copywriting, it's no better way to put in front of new customers the words of your happy customers and kind of mm-hmm. saying, uh, you know, in their types of words, how they describe you so you can really kind of yeah. uh, speak their language, so to speak. Yeah. What if you did it that, um, like kind of a totally different idea would be to get the people that are sharing the referral, like the person who is already the customer, who is um, giving it to a friend or something like that, ask them for um, a review or like a comment or something like that, because those people already love the, the, the company. Um, and you might have to sweeten the pot a little bit to get them to do that. But um, if they put in those words, then, you know, when the friend gets the the coupon or whatever, and they see, maybe you show them some of the words, or maybe you show them someone else's review, um, that could be a real way to help um, smooth that transition. No, that's, that's a good idea. We do a little bit of that. Like we do allow for, uh, essentially, if you're doing the share, you can customize how you want to share it, but you, here's the link. And then the, the, our customer themselves can can some things. So it looks like Mm -hmm. for the, for the lazy person that doesn't want to write it in, it could just be like Nate recommends blah, 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 because this, and then they might look at that and click on it and it goes to their mobile to share and they might just edit it and change it to something that, or they're just entirely lazy and say that's good enough. (laughs) But, uh, but but like you have one, like when you have that, you have one social proof from a trusted person. But what if you could get more social proofs? Like that, it's not just like I'm sharing this with you. Where it's like more of that's like a direct message. Where it's more like um, you get like an actual review. Like I think this thing is amazing, and then you use that on future ones. Um, maybe I don't know. No, no, no. It's a good idea. I've thought a little. The only area I've thought about that a little bit, where where it does run into a little bit of a conflict, is most most customers or most uh, businesses don't want to have too many asks, just like too many calls to action. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more of like a routing decision. Do I want to send them to a referral program or do I want to send them to a review site? So like, it's really, if they're going to use that equity to ask for a review and, and sometimes that's a bigger ask because it's really, mm-hmm. the customer's not getting anything for it. And if I'm giving, if I'm going to have the tall ask of like, can you please give us a five-star review on this podcast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that like it's a taller ask because they don't really get something for it and the other one if you can you could probably like layer the two together ultimately i could see it being like this you ask yeah. they write it in it also creates a link for them to share it out and also routes it into like google reviews and they just hit publish like get it all um yeah thought about that all. a bit but yeah <laughs> And, and maybe you have the the opportunity at that point to also incentivize them somehow, like they get a free month or they get something. Um, that could be a useful way to get that feedback too. Yeah, yeah. I, and the one of the other challenges with us with those is ultimately the 
customer that is running the program mm. is going to say the most about it. You know, we could facilitate and have that feature. Um, the reality is most of them, I'll be honest, like not everyone thinks through these things, right? In terms of like from a usability standpoint. So sometimes they have way too many asks or they're, they're, uh, they make their, their programs super complicated, even right. though we tell them you shouldn't, uh, or they try <laughs> to do something like, you know, a contest and it's like, yeah, I don't want to refer someone and get a one chance in 10,000 to win a trip to somewhere that I don't care about. <laughs> so, uh, but that, but whoever created the program thought it was cool, but you know, yeah. we, we, it's a hard That's line hard. To, to shift. Yeah. So. That's like every time you have a SaaS app that has free text input, then everyone wants to like stylize it and make it like bold, red, underlined. Yeah, we're starting. We're starting. Yeah, we're starting to feel definitely leaning more prescriptive about these things because just like in my in my initial building of SaaS and all these things, it was more of like, well, let them do what they want, right? And then mm. you see the things they do, or you see, and you're like. <laughs> You know, and they'll ask, well, I want to, uh, you know, why is there a character limit on there? And you're like, actually, the character limit should be smaller. So you don't even get close to doing yes. those other things, <laughs> right? So definitely That's start cool. to feel more uh, more opinionated on, on yeah. like, no, this is the way to do it and trying to build those practices in. So, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, fun. So many things to think about, eh? Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, anything, uh, any last words before we sign off here? No, no. This was a interesting one. I don't think I've shared this much on the podcast in a while, right? No kidding. It's a good, uh, good day. Yeah, we'll have to change the title of this one because I Josh think we've been speaks. doing a lot of Josh. <laughs> Josh, Josh talks about some things other than just uh, Nate's stuff. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. All right. Well, cool. uh, we'll see you next time, Josh. All right, man. Have a good weekend. Bye. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at Searching for SAS on Twitter. That's Searching, the number four, SAS. Or send an email to searchingforsass at gmail.com. See you next week.